Hello friends, welcome to Beyond the News again. It's Friday the 1st of July in 2022, coming up on today's show. I'm going to be listening to a British doctor, Dr Claire Craig, talking about the vaccine for youngsters, listening to Governor DeSantos of Florida, again talking about the vaccines and what the mainstream media are covering up, looking into the royal family from a variety of angles. That and much, much more coming up on today's show. If you're a new listener, everything is mainstream or it's on an alternative media platform that is covering an accredited scientific person. So I'll be covering things from The Guardian, The Daily Mail, but I'll also be playing videos from something called Band.video, which I understand is not mainstream media, but it will be playing clips of people who are doctors. So one might ask why these doctors aren't on mainstream media. If you're a regular listener to the show, you may have your own opinions on that. But that's what I do here. I will either only cover from mainstream media or alternative media that is covering from a source that is, you know, verified. So Dr. Claire Craig, have I seen her medical license? No. Um, Have I done a bit of quick research that she is doctor? Yep. And is she entitled to her opinion? Yep. And is it only on band.video? At least what I can find. I haven't found it on any mainstream sources. Yep. Well, let's ask why then. What does Dr. Claire Craig have to say about childhood vaccinations? Claire Craig, I'm a diagnostic pathologist and I am co-chair of the Heart Group. And I want to take you through the evidence that Pfizer just presented to the FDA on the six-month to four-year-old children. There's an awful lot about this trial that has shocked me and I think will shock you too. The trial recruited 4,526 children aged from six months to four years old. 3,000 of these children did not make it to the end of the trial. That is a huge number, two-thirds of them. Why was there this drop-off? That needs to be answered and without an answer to that, on that basis alone, this trial should be deemed null and void. So what did the trial show? Well, they defined severe COVID as children who had a slightly raised heart rate or a few more breaths per minute. There were six children aged two to four who had severe COVID in the vaccine group, but only one in the placebo group. So on that basis, the likelihood that this vaccine is actually causing severe COVID is higher than the likelihood that it is. There was actually one child who was hospitalized in this trial They had a fever and a seizure. They had been vaccinated. So now let's turn to what they defined as any COVID. And what they did was to utterly twist the data. They vaccinated the children and they waited three weeks after the first dose before the second dose. In that three week period, 34 of the vaccinated children got COVID and only 13 in the placebo group, which worked out as a 30% increased chance of catching COVID in that three week period if you were vaccinated. So they ignored that data. And then there was an eight week gap between the second dose and the third dose, where again, children were getting plenty of COVID in the vaccine arm, so they ignored that data. There was then seven weeks after the third dose, which they also ignored, which meant that in the end, they had ignored 97% of the COVID that occurred during the trial. And they just looked at tiny numbers. Trust the science. And they were comparing three children in the vaccine arm who had COVID with seven in the placebo arm. And they said that this showed the vaccine was effective. There are more allergic reactions to the COVID vaccines than first expected. Headaches, nausea, hallucinations, and yes, even death. I've lost count of the injuries. Things like urinating clots of blood, parasites. So then that's just the start of uh, what it's going into with uh, the more vaccine things. And I'll switch off there. But there you go. Uh, That was Dr. Claire. And go and look into her if you think she's a fraud. Um, Go and do your own research. And more importantly, go and look into her interpretation of the data, because that's quite damning. Now, if it's true, and her interpretation of it is correct, because different people can take, you know, different conclusions from the same statistics those there's the old phrase isn't there lies lies and statistics 
But if it's true, it's the wily Coyote moment I was talking about last week, where there's that moment where people who've had it would go, or given it to their children, I imagine would go, that cannot be true. They would have got in trouble for it. And so it then follows on that process. Now, there's going to be a bell curve and, you know, you know what I mean by that, don't you? And there'll be down the left hand side of it, there'll be those groups that will instantly go, oh, my God, they did what? Look into it. Yes, they did. Why isn't something to be done about it? I'm going to do something about it then. And what we're being blocked and so they'll suddenly go on that waking up process of I was lied to, you know, it wasn't a mistake. I was lied to, because there'll be that process where people go, hang on, these people should be arrested. And it'll be like, no, 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 no. They're not going to get arrested. You know, they might get knighthoods, but they're not going to get arrested. They're going to get big, big bonus packages from the massive rise in profits, but they're not going to get arrested. And they're not going to put on trial and we shall find out whether these people are guilty or not then because everyone has the right to a fair trial. There's going to be those sort that instantly wake up and go, they did it, they're not getting in trouble. Wow, it really was a big lie. The conspiracy theorists are right. Down one end. Then you'll move into the middle of the bell curve where I think this is going to be the majority where it's going to be, that can't be true. She must be a conspiracy theorist because people would get arrested if it was and these people are going to take a lot of time you know years not months years for them to finally see yes the doctor was correct and no nothing was done about it and they're going to they're going to join the first group that I aforementioned but it's going to take about 5 years rather than 5 weeks and then there's going to be the group down the other end Nope, she's a conspiracy theorist. Nope, it's nothing. Nope, 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 nope. And I am going to... I'm going to control my own fate and prove to you it's nothing by having more boosters and more kids because if I ever stop to think that this might be correct... And hey, if I'm... And me and my kids are getting all these boosters and nothing's happening to us... She is a conspiracy theorist then, isn't she? Because if she was right, you know, we'd be dead. So by continuing to take the boosters, I am proving her wrong. And that's how I see the breakdown of people processing that information. But it's the main bulk in the middle are going to take a few years to process exactly what this is. Because they're living in a system where they think, <clears throat> well, all right, they rushed it through and this was probably a mistake. Um, they, Yeah, all right, they were doing their best and... Yeah, they, look, there's different ways to interpret statistics and they, yeah, they took the favourable one for their profit margins. Yeah, they may be a little bit greedy, but this isn't actually, you know, deliberate. They're going to take several years, but that's the Wiley Coyote moment. But I wonder how many of them in that middle of the bell curve will go, do you know what? I don't think I'm going to give my kid that jab. They've got such a low, low, low risk from COVID. I mean, less than 1%. So... You know what? I think I'll, I think I'll just go with the side of caution and not give it to him. But you know, I'm not anti-vax. I'm just, you know, I'm just not going to give my kid the vaccine. And I, I think actually maybe I won't take one as well. So that's what you're going to see that middle group, and that middle group has got a lot to contend with. It's got a lot to contend with in the terms of, hey, look, they can't all be in on this. The mainstream media, they. They keep telling me it's all good. No, they must be a conspiracy theorist. It's all going to be uh, a part of that. And that's why I call it the Wiley Coyote moment, because, um, you know, go and listen to last week's podcast where, where I'm making that analogy. Now let's go listen to Governor DeSantis, uh, DeSantis I should say, from Florida, talking about the vaccine, uh, taking questions at a press conference, I believe, sort of middle of June. Or not, as the case may be. Oh, we've got another queuing issue. Lovely. Uh, hold on one second while I try and uh, figure this out again. Bunch of breaking news yep. on the other side. Yep, this is from uh, 
InfoWars. Yes, sir. Governor, there's obviously a lot of uh, controversy at the end of last week between your administration and the White House. What do you make of the White House saying that the state reversed on child vaccine? So the White House is lying about it. We are <laughs> surprised. Not surprised the White House would lie. Definitely not surprised that legacy media would amplify the lie because that's what they do. The state of Florida, they came out with an article saying the state of Florida has not ordered, its Department of Health has not ordered mRNA jabs for the babies. Yes, we didn't. We recommend against it. We are not going to have any programs where we're trying to jab six-month-old babies with mRNA. That's just the reality. I think what happened was they thought somehow we would we would like be be embarrassed by that. No, we're following the data. You look at these European countries; uh, they are uh, a lot of them don't even allow Moderna for under age 30, or they recommend against it. So that was always that. We still have not ordered it. We're not going to order it now. What they're saying is because practitioners and hospitals can order it, somehow we've reversed. I I said from the beginning they'll be able to do that. We don't have the authority to prevent it. And quite frankly, if someone wants to make a different decision, I would just caution people: look at the actual data in the clinical trial. It is the weakest possible data that you could possibly uh, see. Very small number of people. Uh, what the recommendation is from them doesn't even track the outcomes. It was something that, but, but people can ask their pediatricians, they can ask their doctors, what's the evidence of, of, of protection against severe disease? There, there was none in the clinical trial. Uh, but, but that's something that people would do. But for us, Joe Latipo, our Department of Health has looked at it, there is no proven benefit to put a, a baby with an MRA, so that's why our recommendation is against it. That's different than prohibiting the use in Florida, which we don't have the the authority to do. And quite frankly, you know, we're we're confident people can make their own judgments on it. But I would say, when you look at the trial, one of the things they did, they did not have. Uh, babies or very young kids who had recovered from COVID in the trial. So we don't know what this will do for people that have recovered. But in their recommendation, they are recommending giving the mRNA shot to people, young babies and kids that have already recovered from COVID. They don't have any clinical data on that. And people have looked at some of this stuff and have recognized how that. And you know what? The White House is bragging that we're the only country that is trying to do mRNA shots for infants. And I'm just thinking to myself, well, wait a minute, there's nothing wrong with, with, with being, being the Lone Ranger if you're right, but the, com the other countries in Europe that are going a different direction, similar to the direction Florida's gone, they have been right on COVID way more than Fauci and his crew have been throughout this whole thing. Remember, these are people in Washington that rejected the idea of natural immunity. Uh, for a year and a half, they said that the vaccine was better than prior infection. And every credible study that's been done has said that that's not the case. And so they've been wrong time and time again. They were wrong when they criticized me for having schools open. They wanted our kids locked out of school in the state of Florida. They were wrong when they criticized me for having businesses open, beaches, all these other things. And so this is an example where they are pushing this with very, very, very scant data. But again, People can make their judgments, but but ask questions. And the fact of the matter is, I think what this whole uh, year and a half has shown us is these regulatory agencies in the federal government have basically become uh, subsidiaries of the pharmaceutical companies. Uh, they are not independent regulators. Uh, they basically are there to rubber stamp uh, what Pfizer wants to do. So people can people can make their judgments on it, but we have not ordered any uh, for the Department of Health. There's been absolutely zero change in our recommendations. And the recommendations, remember, we were the first state to recommend against 6 to 11-year-olds. We never had any state programs for any of that. There have been some practitioners that have ordered it, and some have gotten it. Most most parents are not giving it uh, for, the, for the kids with the MNRA, but some, some did, and I think it's the same thing. So this is a continuation uh, of our policy that we've had in place really since the spring. There's an old so... Um that's uh, leaders like that. The middle curve, they don't listen to alternative media. That middle of the bell curve, they still trust the mainstream media. They still trust their leaders to a certain extent. They, I think they trust them to an extent not to tell them a complete bald-faced lie 
Um, I think that they maybe think they're incompetent or corrupt or this, that, the other, but they, they wouldn't actually... It, there's quite a few people... Well, yes, they lie about greedy crime, but they wouldn't actually lie about stuff like that, not when it comes to saving lives. That middle of the curve has got quite a lot to find out, and it's going to be quite difficult for them. And when you do, I recommend that you, you know, have a listen to Beyond the News and then have a look at the or at least have the articles if you don't like to listen to the droning on of the presenter which i fully understand or yeah just look at the articles research the articles for yourself if you um if you just don't have an hour to spend or you want to make up your own mind which i always recommend because this is a, a place where we show you the beginning of the rabbit hole and just the beginning and then gives you some tips on where you can go from there from time to time but it's leaders like that, when people in the middle watch a leader like that on the TV, if you ever look at conformity studies, Ash, Sharif, that kind of stuff, when you look at what happened, Milgram, go and Zimbardo, go and look at what happens when a dissenter to the, effectively, you know, the, the lie conformity comes in. It really does help break the brainwashing of the other conformists it does have an effect and so leaders like that on this because it goes the same way he wouldn't lie about something like that you know on the big issues they they're with them and again the bell curve you've got to think of the bell curve down the left hand side there's going to be people that go Wow, really? I didn't know that. I'm going to look that up straight away. Wow, man, he's really onto something here. I like this guy. And in the middle, it's going to take a little while, but it's going to be quicker with a leader like that. Well, he said, what? Really? Do you know, I don't think it's a good idea we do give our six-month-old jab, you know? I don't think he would have said that if it, you know, if it was. And then you've got all the other people. He's a right-winger. And that's that. They're not going to look into anything about what he said. It's the the brainwashing wall of what is possible. And they've been brainwashed to think that anyone that disagrees with their political point of view is wrong and worthy of no respect and not listening to at all. You're never going to get through to everyone, but you can get through to the middle ground and often the people whose minds are completely closed how can i say this politely they're not of much use anyway to you or you know to, it's very easy to go oh, okay we'll just agree to disagree and never speak again i bet you if you're a listener to this show you've probably already identified those personality types and wished them well on their journey and never spoken to them again already but you won't be able to get through to everyone but some you'll be able to get through very quickly, but the majority is what we need to get through. And I think that that's going to take a bit of time. Now, last week I was talking about how uh, people, the Wiley Coat effect, I'm talking about it this week. And what actually came out on the day, although I had not seen it at the time, 24th of June, uh, Five-year decline in UK news media trust sees BBC, Times and Telegraph have biggest drops. Now, I do remember uh, a John Cleese tweet talking about how the British media was ranked consistently low. Uh, we don't really have a Fox News here. And by Fox News, I'm not even talking about right or left wing at this point. I'm talking about... A channel that will put on views that have been censored off other channels be they right or be they wrong uh, views that you know like the Wuhan lab thing oh, Facebook says that's wrong no can't have that so I I would love there to be some traditional left-wing shows that put on doctors that question the vaccines I can't see any I'm not aware of that many I suppose, again, you, you, do, you do have some good comedians like Jimmy Dawes doing it, but it's not MSNBC, it's not the BBC or anything like that. They're just hit pieces. So we don't really have anything like that in the UK. So it's the trust is going to be the biggest drop here. And so I was just talking about how it's going to take time, but it will happen. And 
this article is pretty much exactly what I was saying and I definitely didn't read it before I did last week's show. So let's go through it here. Andrew Kersley. The Times, The Telegraph and the BBC have suffered the biggest drops in trust among UK news media over the past five years, according to one annual survey. The Times was named the most trusted UK newspaper brand in 2018, but has seen its trust fall by 20 percentage points to 43%, according Press Gazette analysis of annual data from the Reuters Institute for the Study of Journalism. The BBC also saw a 20 percentage point drop in trust since 2018, although its fall from 75 to 55 still leaves it as the most trusted news brand in the UK, jointly with ITN, ITV News and just ahead of Channel 4 News on 54%. A BBC spokesperson said, although we are never complacent, our own independent research shows that we saw a boost to perceptions of the BBC's trustworthiness and impartiality during the pandemic, and BBC News is the source adults in the UK most likely turn to for their impartial news on the biggest news stories of the day. I just love that. Um, we, uh, our own independent research, is <laughs> an oxymoron. Is it independent? Yes. Who are they investigating? The BBC. Who's doing it? The BBC. Isn't that the BBC investigating itself? No, it's independent. But it, is it yours? Yes, but it's independent. Is it yours? Yes, but it's not ours. No. Come on, T Python sketch. And um, just just to be, but that that it it's stuff like this that helps accelerate their fall because it's the same thing with politicians. It's just. Uh, no, I didn't lie. But you did. No, I didn't. 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 And it just goes on and on and on and on and on. Ban everyone that says that I did. You know, I'm for free speech. Ban everyone that disagrees with me. Uh, I'm great. They're all like. So you've got all of that. Now, again, let's talk about the Wiley Coyote effect and the Bell distribution curve. So I stopped watching the BBC when I stopped watching television news. Uh, 11 years ago, something like that, ish. And I know a lot of people have done exactly the same. So they're the first part of the Bell distribution curve of what used to watch the BBC. And I've talked about the most important number of callers, the number of people watching it, which has declined massively, 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 especially Question Time. And you can go and listen to various podcasts where it goes from millions to under a million and then the BBC well, actually no 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 it's better than that we reckon that number is just over a million so even the BBC says they went from millions to just over a million it's a massive fall and you can see fall year after year after year after year so there comes a point like I've said where people go oh, I'm not listening to this crap anymore and I'm definitely not paying for it so they've already you know they're not going to be on the the, the survey are they? What do you think? Awful. You know, they're not. I don't even know if you have to be uh, someone that has access to TV to, to do that. I suppose I'd have to go and check out the Reuters Institute for the Study of Journalism and um, see if they ask people who don't watch mainstream media or read mainstream media to review it. Probably not. I wouldn't have thought. But what this is, is this is the bump in the middle who stayed there and the bump in the middle is going well I mean I still watch it but this seems like bollocks and then all the way down to the other end of the bell curve the BBC are gods they've never told a single lie and they're, they're going to stay that way nothing's going to get through to them but it's the ones in the middle that we need the big bump in the middle the majority and this says to me they're starting to go what you know just basic things like the pcr test isn't that great and there was court rulings to say why it wasn't that great bbc said nothing bbc always pro lockdown loads of evidence to say that there wasn't hit piece on the vaccines even i think people they go all right it's been rushed through and we'll take it but you know I don't really trust the BBC saying it's really great, really good, everything's wonderful because it has only been around for six months and they probably rushed it. I just don't think you can lie to people to that extent. They probably ended up taking it going, well, it'd be all right. It'd be better than nothing. And now, of course, as time moves on, 
when they and what will really hammer home the BBC's losses are when the contrary views are quite clear. Uh, for example, let's take lockdown. We can now see there are many mainstream views that say lockdown is a bad idea, not just pointless, bad idea. So when the BBC will continue to call people anti-lockdowners, conspiracy theorists, and, and then they like to label their things on top of it as well. You know, they're anti-lockdowner, and that means they're anarchists. They want to go against the government. They want... Do you want anarchists in control? You know, that sort of um, <laughs> brand of journalism. So I'm sure that, you know, I'm paraphrasing and they haven't... I'm sure I couldn't find a single... BBC journalist that has said those words but you I have to use extremes to illustrate a point in a short space of time when the BBC fails to take on board any dissenting voices or any voices that have information and factual evidence based information that the BBC got it massively wrong and the BBC still doesn't put those people on its programs then the acceleration begins and we're not quite there yet this is the beginning of the foot on the gas of the exodus of mainstream media but we're not there yet and the question still remains where will these people get their news from after that will they go to another mainstream media uh, platform that has more truth-based content on it like GB news I doubt they'll listen to be on the news Spotify, the internet, I'm not getting my news off the internet, they're nutters. The middle ground will feel that way, and that's fine. But where will they go, and where will they start? To, will they have the same process again, where it's, well, this channel used to be right, but I'm starting to think this is all, all, all nonsense now. Where the middle ground goes is where Britain goes. Uh, let's continue. So, meanwhile... Um, Right, let's go look at some of the analysis of the numbers. A Telegraph Spurks, but let's not have any... I'm not really interested in listening to them anymore, <laughs> which is ironic because there's a number of people on that <laughs> feel the same way in general. Uh, the Telegraph was followed by the tabloids The Sun, The Mail, The Mirror. The Sun had any trust to begin with? Wow. Which ranked bottom of the list of trusted major news brands in 2022. The Mirror at the bottom. That's interesting because that's probably... I would say that's pro-Labour Party, but not necessarily left. I would say the Guardian's very left, but the Mirren perhaps not so. More sort of very... Is it pro-Keir Starmery? It's certainly anti-Tory, which I can understand. That's interesting. The Mirror Above the Sun. That is interesting. I mean... Uh, you know, you know my views on mainstream media. There's some good writers, there's some bad ones. Just 12% of the UK said they trusted the news output at Murdoch under the sun versus 67% who did not and 21% who weren't sure. Yeah, yeah, you can't come back from something like that, I don't think. So just 12% of the UK said they trusted the news. So what was the BBC one? Let's scroll back up again. Um, by any point... Uh, it's bit, the BBC also saw a 20% drop in trust, although its fall from 75 to 55% still leaves it as the most trusted. So 50, 50... What must that other 45% be like? You're watching the BBC tonight? Yeah. Why? To get the news. But you don't trust it? No, I don't. Why are you watching then? Well, it's the BBC, isn't it? What must 45%... At what point does that 45%... I am not watching this crap anymore. What what would it take for that other 45% to go, do you know what? I don't trust it at all. I'm switching it off. I don't know. But that is interesting, that 55 on the BBC, 12 on the Sun. Now, when the BBC gets the trust levels of the Sun, and I don't think it will ever fall that far because it's, it's such... A worldwide brand and so many people have grown up on it and so many of the middle people will think I know they covered up Savile but no that's just a one-off 
But what what happens when it falls to something like 30? I'm never going to think the BBC is going to be on the level of the sun. But 75 to 55 is a hell of a drop, isn't it? Was that was that five years? Five year decline. Yeah. So 2018. Didn't they say it's all based on 2018? It's 2022 now. Four years, isn't it? I would say. Anyway. Um, we're going to be living in interesting times. In fact, one can argue we're going to be living in interesting times when it gets to 49%. Because what happens when the majority of people watching it don't trust it anymore? That's not far away if we're at 55%. Uh, regional and local newspapers have seen less steep decline in trust, falling from 65% in 2018 to 52% in 2022. Now, that does make perfect sense to me, because on many times I've said the more something is independent, the, cl- the further away it is from power source. And by power source, I mean editors that, um, you know, have vested interests. The editors that go to drinks with um, major advertisers and those major advertisers would be banks or pharmaceutical companies. Do you think you're going to get the truth on the vaccine from them? Whereas regional and local, those reporters have to live in their communities a lot more. You know, they will go down to their local pubs. They will have to be held to account a lot more. That's why I always believe in democracy at local level as well. But journalism for the same reasons. So that makes sense to me. And in fact, actually, there's, um, if I've got time, there's a wonderful article from the Manchester Evening News. Um, actually, it's a, it's wonderfully, it's a good article, good journalism about a horrible subject. But um, yeah, and I've said on this show before, I've pulled out some of those Liverpool echoes and the Manchester Evening News and I've gone, this is good journalism, this. So yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. UK residents were asked to give a 1 to 10 trustworthiness rating for the UK news brands they had heard of. Those who answered 6 to 10 were deemed to trust the brand, with 0 to 4 not trusting it and 5 being uncertain. The 2022 survey was based on a poll of 2,410 people, conducted in February 2022, with similar surveys conducted each year. So, um, yes, uh, so for the BBC News, it's... 55 trust, 19 don't know, 26 don't trust. Now, do those 26 still watch? We don't have the answer for that. And that's very comparable with ITV. And down the bottom, it's... Oh, hang on. It's percent trust, 22% for the Daily Mirror, 12% for the Sun. Did I misread that earlier then? I knew that looked a little bit odd. The Telegraph was followed by Tabloids, The Sun, The Mail and The Mirror, which ranked bottom of the list of trusted major news brands. The comma comes after Mirror. But I'm looking at the actual graph and it says Sun 12%, Daily Mirror 22%, Daily Mail is 23%, Huffington Post 24 GB News 27 Daily Telegraph 36 42% for the Independent. Now we are a very left country in terms of media in the UK. Like I said, there isn't... The closest thing to Fox News would be GB News, and that has very low ratings, whereas in the United States, Fox is very, very dominant. So we're still in that bell curve where... GB News? That's that's the right-wing channel, isn't it? No, I don't trust them. Well, you listen to it. No, I don't need to. They're, They're GB News. Don't trust them. So watch for that... That new... That news... All the people that think that GB News is spouting conspiracy theories will have to see how their health holds up after their um, experimental mRNA vaccination over the next five years, won't we? And that's not, you know, I really do hope humanity gets those people. I hope the people that took the jab, they're all right. I do hope that they are because that's our fellow human beings there, you know. Overall, the Reuters Institute report this year found that in part due to a decline in trust, nearly half, 46% of all British people, often avoid reading the news at all. (laughs) 
there's the stat I wanted to see. Now then, what happens when that 46% becomes 66%? The two-thirds majority. That's going to be a problem for the ruling class. Because you, the ruling class rule by manipulation and divide and conquer. And if the working class aren't being divided and conquered, they're going to be uniting. And if they're not getting the propaganda, they're going to be doing their own research. So a united, well-researched people who think for themselves is bad for any tyrannical government vis-a-vis -vis pretty much most Western world governments. So that's very interesting and gives me um, very... Um, very much cause for for hope so uh, oh but they've got comments oh i do love a good comment well well done usually it's only the daily mail that have them oh so the press gazette i have to remember that they've got it as well all right then uh, there is only uh by looks of it two comments oh no hang on is that that second page I dread to think what clicking on it would do. Hold on. Uh, four of them. Okie dokie. All right, let's read out the let's read out the thoughts. And there's no up or downs. Oh, that's a shame. ITV News should be listed as the most trusted band because its don't trust score is significantly better than that of the BBC. Eighteen versus twenty-six percent. All right, that's an interesting point on the statistics. Imagine still trusting any of the mainstream media in 2022. How low IQ does one have to be to believe they are anything but a propaganda arm of the establishment? <laughs> well, there are. I'm reading from mainstream news and there are some very good mainstream news articles out there. There are some good ones and there are some bad ones, but I reckon the good ones are not near the top of the power source, in my own personal opinion. But I wouldn't know. I've never worked in any of these places. And even if I did, why should you trust my opinion? Right, so another one here. The news used to, and used was in invert, um, capital letters, to tell us what was going on, would present diverse opinions. During the last few years, I only see propaganda telling me what I should be thinking, not examining the whole issue. No one's ever on BBC, to my knowledge, questioned pandemic or said they didn't, go, didn't do lockdown, although huge numbers didn't. That view is un-PC and mustn't be voiced. Ditto Ukraine had to go outside approved news to watch an actual interview with Putin and get some adult information rather than Putin like Hitler, let's all support Zelensky. The news feels so much more dumbed down, patronising, BBC especially, and about instructing us on our beliefs. No longer watch it. Uh, yep, bingo. And then um, John Ryan has chipped in with well said. And uh, I'm not certain whether that was the result of the article or the comment above, but either way. I kind of agree with it. So that's your Wiley Coyote movement. That's your Wiley Coyote moment. And the moment will lead to a movement. But it's going to take time. Let's just hope it's peaceful, lawful, based on well-informed, educated people who want the best for themselves, their families, their children and their grandchildren. Now then. National Library of Medicine, National Centre for Biotechnology Information, pubmed.gov, uh, June the 5th-9, uh, there's lots of numbers involved, 2022, that's, uh, looks like 2022, June the 5th, anyway, can't be that far away, or that old, because it's talking about adverse effects of COVID-19 vaccines, so whatever date it is, we know it's after 2020, and measures to prevent them. Right, so I'm just going to uh, scroll down here. Um, right. Recently, The Lancet published a study on the effectiveness of COVID-19 vaccines and the waning of immunity with time. The study showed that immune function among vaccinated individuals eight months after the administration of two doses of COVID-19 vaccine was lower than that among the unvaccinated individuals. Yep, that's pretty much exactly what I was saying on Beyond the News in the summer of last year before all the boosters came out to say, yep, there are studies about the T-cells and all that kind of stuff and the gold standard and it's interfering with them. Um, 
According to the European Medicines Agency recommendations, frequent COVID-19 booster shots could adversely affect the immune response and may not be feasible. The decrease in immunity can be caused by several factors such as N1 methyl pseudo... A medical term. The spike protein... I'm not a doctor, by the way. Can you tell? The spike protein, lipid nanoparticles, antibody-dependent enhancement in the original antigenic stimulus... These clinical alterations may explain the association reported between COVID-19 vaccination and shingles. Ta-da! We warned about that on this show. What do shingles look like? Hmm. Go and have a look. And then go and have a look at the news recently. As a safety measure, further booster vaccinations should be discontinued. In addition, the date of vaccination should be recorded in the medical record of patients. Several practical measures to prevent a disease decrease in immunity have been reported. These include limiting the use of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, including something I can't pronounce to maintain deep body temperature, appropriate use of antibiotics, smoking cessation, stress control and the limiting the use of lipid emulsions, including propofol, which may cause perioperative immunosuppression. In conclusion, COVID-19 vaccination is a major risk factor for infections in critically ill patients. So all that stuff. Oh, the most vulnerable get the vaccines first. Do you smell a rat here yet, guys? So, um, conflict of interest statement. The author declares that he has no competing interests. References. Uh, well, you can see it all for yourself. There's several of them. So there you go. That's National Library of Medicine talking about the Lancet. If you want to trust the science, any Provax people that were saying trust the science, you might want to take your own uh, advice there and read that in full. Why on earth should you take some comedian's word for it with no medical qualifications whatsoever. Why don't you look into it for yourself? Research it for yourself. And not just think it's safe and effective because the mainstream media, who we see is suffering a collapse in confidence, told you so. I think it'll be very interesting to see that number in a few years' time. Imagine it after all this stuff comes out, because this is, like I said, I think it's, I think it's June. It's got 2022 up the top numbers. So I'm presuming it's this year. This is, you know, the National Library of Medicine talking about the Lancet. These are not not, they are not nut jobs. They're scientists. Perhaps the mainstream media might be able to improve their trust levels if they had the authors of this study on, rather than who they currently have. Safe and effective. Next one now. Um, I'll just have to go through all the cookie consent thing. Yeah, status reject all good. Right. Campaign calls for one million UK consumers to stop paying energy bills. Now, if I was to endorse that I would be endorsing a crime so I cannot and I say I will not anonymous activists behind don't pay hope cancelling direct debits will have impacts akin to poll tax protests yes now the UK for the all the amounts that I slag it off on a regular basis still hasn't gone full Canada Australia China yet for which I am eternally grateful so you know, otherwise I'd probably just be arrested. Just you, you just read the article out. You're obviously inciting it. You know, so I will make this comment on it. It's the only thing they listen to is the bottom line. They're not in. They don't care about anyone so long as they just stay in line, do as they're told, pay their taxes. Only when you stop doing those things do they go. Oh. Because you know, they don't care how much. If there is a conspiracy of people and Boris Johnson and his like are puppets, the puppets won't care 
who's pulling the strings in five years' time. The puppets get a nice retirement package either way. They don't care. Not only the retirement package, but whatever the bad things are going to be happening, they're going to be above it all. That's the trade-off. So the puppet masters really don't care what you think of their puppets. When you stop watching the puppet show, they bring in new puppets. And then you hate them and they change the puppets again. And the laws that they enacted that made you hate them in the first place stay there. Or at least it's two steps forward, one step back. That's the way it works. David Icke calls it the totalitarian tiptoe. What can stop that is when people actually do start saying no with their wallets. Now, you can talk about that, whether that's affecting policy at Sainsbury's through, you know, genetically modified food or this, that and the other. Or in this case, saying, hey, the energy companies are making record profits and we know it's not the supply chain problem because the wholesale prices are low. And the last time they were at this level, the petrol pumps were low. But the record profits are what really gives it away, I think. So I can never endorse something like that. But I would be a liar if I said stuff like this isn't what really changes things. And it's peaceful, but it's not lawful. So I can't endorse it or legal, perhaps for those into the whole common law, statutory law thing, it's not legal. But if one million people did do it, the government would then be faced with one million people to put through the court system and if found guilty to then spend taxpayers' money to house, incarcerate, shall we say, Or do they just go, do you know what? We're in times of crisis, effectively martial law. If you don't pay straight away, we're not going to bother with the trial. We can't. We don't have the funds to try you all. So if you don't pay, you're automatically guilty. And we're just going to do away with your human rights and the right to a fair trial. That would be one way of doing it. But, and another thing, a million people going through the court system, you'd have protests of those people at the trials, it would if you did that and they brought the streets to a standstill around the local courthouse one million times, couldn't be done. It would bring the nation to a standstill. So if this was to be enacted, it would be very interesting to see how the government would react. It would be it would have to be, when it boils down to it, utter tyranny or a complete climb down. So let's see what it has to say, knowing full well that I'm not endorsing it. A campaign is urging one million consumers to stop paying their energy bills from October in protest at record price hikes. Run by a group of activists who are operating anonymously for fear of repercussions from energy firms, the Don't Pay campaign launched last Saturday and has already gathered 4,000 social media followers. Yeah, that'll be Facebook coming in going, we can't endorse illegal activity, shut them down. That that's the next step. Uh, they say they are hoping for a re rerun of the poll tax protests that helped people bring down Margaret Thatcher's government when 17 million people refused to pay. The manifesto emblazoned in black and yellow on the group's website says, Million, millions of us won't be able to afford food and bills this winter. We cannot afford to let that happen. We demand a reduction of bills to an affordable level. We will cancel our direct debits from 1st of October if we are ignored. Energy costs have rocketed this year with the annual cap on average bills raised by almost £700 to nearly 2000 in April. It is expected to rise again in October to just under 3000 meaning costs will have more. Anyway, you get the idea about that. Um, I often... Civilization is a good and wonderful thing, but I can't often stop myself from wondering how modern scenarios would have played out in, say, caveman times where there's a small group over there that says um, if you want access to the fire you're going to have to bring us ten mammoths and then the large group going 
well, we'll just build our own fires. And the small group going, oh, well, we went out when you were out trying to find all them mammoths that you couldn't take down. We gathered up all the firewood. What do you think would happen when some caveman's babies froze to death? What would the big group do to the small group? There are many, many benefits to civilization, but, you know, sometimes we've got to the point where those in the ivory towers are so out of touch with human nature, they've forgotten that human nature can be as savage as any caveman. Not that I endorse or call for that. Right then, horror warning is new disease that mutates children's brains discovered by UK scientists. Scientists at the University of Portsmouth have discovered a new genetic disease. I think I read this last week, didn't I? Friday the 4th? Yep, okay, that's probably one from last week that's made its way in uh, view, options and reject. I'm just doing this with all the uh, reject all, with all the uh, cookies and everything. This is from Saturday the 25th of June. Investigation rules out suspected foot and mouth disease outbreak on Norfolk Farm. That's good. Foot and mouth disease is a severe, highly contagious viral disease of livestock that affects cattle, swine, sheep, goats and other cloven-hoofed animals. Um, the farm initially brought in movement restrictions in a 10km temporary control zone for animals. The Animal and Plant Health Agency wrote on Twitter, we are currently... So that's good news then, no foot and mouth in Norfolk. Now then, on from the Mail Online, Prince Charles faces questions over claims he accepted 1 million euros in cash stuffed in a suitcase from controversial Qatari Sheikh. The prince faces questions after being accused of taking Qatari money in the latest row over... Oh, it doesn't say what over. Charles has, was said to have taken £2.5 million from a sheik, £820,000 of which was stuffed in a Fortnum and Mason bag. The money was allegedly given by Sheikh Ahmed bin Jassem, bin Jabba al-Tani, the former Prime Minister of Qatar, who is also known as HBJ. Thank you, I'll refer to him as that from now on. It comes as Charles's former aide, Michael Fawcett, resigned over a cash for honours scandal regarding a Saudi donor. This is the same Saudi that um, is so famous for its human rights, right? So remember that when he's preaching all his stuff about a better world. And, of course, his friendship with Jimmy Savile. Uh, anyway, you get the idea there. But he still says, oh, you know, well, we've got no power, nothing to do with us. We just want what's best for you there. Uh, the, the cash he gave to the prince was collected by a private bank, Coots, whose wealthy clients include the Queen and was deposited directly into the accounts of the Prince of Wales Charitable Fund, according to the Sunday Times. Well, that, you know my view on charity and the, and the Prince. Am I going to be in the weird position now where I'm going to say, look, if this is a Hillary Clinton charitable fund, and by that, you can go and look online on what that is. Haiti is a good place to start. But if this is a genuine charitable fund, I mean... Yes, they do um, have an awful human rights record, but if you can do some good with it. Anyway, accountants say that accepting cash in good faith constitutes a legitimate charitable donation, but the current royal gift policy says family members must never accept money but can accept a cheque on behalf of a charity. Oh, well, I'm really not a fan of the royal family or Prince Charles in general, but I'm actually going to go, you know what, on this one. Yeah, if it all goes to a good cause, then that's just a bureaucracy, isn't it? Anyway, um, but we should probably go and look down to see if there was, um, you know, if Prince Charles went and did anything for Mr. HBJ in response for the charity. Um, looking down, it's quite a long article. Anyway, go and see if it's there. Let's scroll down. It's a hell of a long article, actually. But anyway, for once, I'm not going to be jumping down the prince's throat on that one let's just see if there was any you know you scratch my back i scratch yours if so what was it and where did the money get sent but yeah all right if he's not allowed to take cash but a check and the guy only had cash and it's going to a good cause there yeah. all right then let's have a look at best rated worst rate because it's the mail all right then agatha risky <laughs> plymouth nobody it's up three six eight seven down 63 so it's going to be this is not polar. This is extremely polarized. This is, you know, nobody hands over that kind of cash without expecting favors in return. Not even a sheik. Yep. 
Okay, fair point. Let's go and have a scroll down to the next one. It's just, like I said, that was my initial thoughts. What did Charles have to do in return? And did it really get spent on the actual charity? Don't have those answers for you. Let's now go and look at worst rated. Up 57, down 285. So less polarised, but still pretty clear. Who cares? Leave this dignified man alone. God save the king. Yeah. <laughs> Okie dokie. It's almost when people, you know, I love the idea of giving my money to someone because they've told me they're they're more superior than me. It always reminds me of Stockholm syndrome, people like that. Big deal. Prince Charles does a lot of good for a lot of people in this country. All right. Well, up 65, down 179. Um, anyway, let's leave that there. But it's good to see, like, you know, the traditional Daily Mail people are usually, well, unfortunately, we know that their, their views on immigration can sometimes let them down. But traditionally, they were the kind of, you know, Britain for the British, man. It now seems that it's, you know, Britain for the British, but we don't include the royal family in that, which is a start. Um, obviously, the Britain for the British thing needs uh, working on, but the let's not include the royal family in that. I'm all behind in general. UK farm recruiters shun Russians even as labour shortages bite. Russia was second biggest source of labourers last year. UK Home Office says nationality does not play role in visas. Good, it shouldn't. Why should I be judged on Boris Johnson's actions? Therefore, why should Russians be judged on um, Vladimir Putin's actions? Garnik Kazarian, a 31-year-old from Moscow, spent almost three months last year picking strawberries on a farm in Scotland. His hopes to return to the UK this season were dashed when a recruitment firm cancelled the sponsorship certificate. He needed to get a visa. Right, so the recruitment firm, not the UK government, seems to be blaming for that one. It was really disappointing, said Kazarian, who estimates he spent a total of 1200 on the application and travelling to interviews for himself and his girlfriend. While Russians are still officially welcome in the UK, long waits for visas and uncertainty over the geopolitical situation are making some recruiters wary of hiring. That's compounding a shortage of seasonal farm workers which had already worsened in the wake of Brexit. Not only are the farms being forced to replace Ukrainians, who are staying home to fight after last year accounting for two-thirds of seasonal workers, but some recruitment firms are blocking hires from Russia. Right, so if there's shortage of food from strawberries you'll know to blame the private recruitment officers and again who knows what their motivation is there next mick lynch oh i've just got to reject all the cookies status rejected all oh, yeah that looks good Mick Lynch, a rail union bruiser who's more than a match for the media. So 23rd of June. I was talking about this last week, but again, this is just um, a bigger picture of, hey, main politicians are lying. And so I'm going to call them out. And then the mainstream media, just like DeSantis says, is echoing those lies. And I'm going to call them out. And surprise, surprise, the truth is resonating with the British people. So good for Mick Lynch on that one business insider now some people will argue whether this is mainstream or not but um this is just talking about land ownership so north dakotans are outraged as bill gates the largest private farmland owner in the u.s apparently buys a 13.5 million potato farm so we've covered this before again and again and again how this man's buying up farmland and um it was all you know he was heavily invested in vaccines Along came the plan, the pandemic, and loads of vaccines were there. He's heavily invested in buying farmland, and now we're seeing lots of different problems with food sources, whether it be visas for strawberries or child formula in the United States, or just loads of places, food manufacturing plants catching fire in the United States. You know, go and have a look at. Mr. Gates, what he's into, and go and keep an eye on the world around you. What happens after he starts investing in something? It will give you a whole new perspective on the world. 
if you uh, if you're new to this podcast, it will give you a new perspective on the world. Anyway, right. Um, so this is now ABC News, and they danced. Uh, the, sorry, this is June the twenty seventh of this year by Gerald Imray Associated Press. They danced and died. Tragic teen party mystery in South Africa. South African authorities are seeking answers after 21 underage drink uh, underage teenagers partying after the end of exams died in a mysterious weekend incident at a nightclub. I'll just scroll down. Cape Town, South Africa. Um, the bodies of many of the victims, the youngest a 13-year-old girl, were discovered by police lying on tables, slumped in chairs and couches, and sprawled on the dance floor of the club in the early hours of Sunday morning. They died as they danced, Police Minister Becky Kelly said. They dance, fall and die, literally. Others would just feel dizzy, sleep on the sofa and die. It tells you the story that that they were all kids because somebody should have taken note. Speculation has swelled over the cause of the tragedy, starting with a stampede that has now been ruled out. To a pos- yeah, if it's a stampede, they're not going to be slumped in chairs and couches, are they? They're all going to be near in the nearest exit or piled up to each other. I've seen a horrific footage of um, people trying to get out the gas chamber in um, Auschwitz or one of the death camps run by the Nazis. They were all in a pile by the door, poor, poor, poor souls. So that doesn't seem to ring a bell. Um, so yeah, Stampede's now been ruled out. Good. To a possible gas leak. Now that you can buy because it fits certain kinds of gases or oxygen deprivation, then people can be very happy uh, as they're slowly deprived of oxygen. I have sent forensic samples from victims to a toxicology laboratory to investigate if the teens ingested poison or a toxin at the party. Yeah, bad buffet. I want to know if there were any survivors or whether there were only 21 people in that club and all 21 are dead. So are there any survivors? Doesn't seem to... uh, I can't seem to get an answer for you on that one. But that would be an interesting... Anyone that survived that would have an interesting story to tell. Police said they were called to Enyo Benny Tavern in the city of East London in Eastern Cape Province at around 4am Sunday morning after receiving a report that there were lifeless bodies there. Officers responding to a call walked into a grim scene. 17 of the teenagers were found dead in the nightclub. Two more died at a local clinic. One died on the way to another hospital and one at that hospital. Their ages were between 13 and 17, police said. I would be fascinated to know if those people that had any words to say had on the way to the hospital were um, in any way conscious and therefore had anything to say. And if so, what did they say? Police spokeswoman Colonel Athlender Matty said an investigation was ongoing and no cause of death had yet been established. But Sele said forensic samples were being sent to an advanced toxicology laboratory in Cape Town indicating that police were looking at the possibility of a poison or a toxin was involved. Kelly said the toxicology tests might take a lot of time. Bad dose of ecstasy, maybe? um, Yeah, you'd think if it was something the bar was selling, that other people would have died for it. If it was, you know, like extremely poisonous beer or something, that people would have died beforehand. Provincial safety, unless someone slipped something into the keg, I don't know. Provincial safety official Unafe Binkozi said the Daily Maverick newspaper that the victims may have ingested a toxic substance through alcohol they were drinking or through hooker pipes, which were being smoked at the party. Initial reports speculate that the victims, 12 boys and 9 girls, may have died in a crush because of overcrowding at the party. But authorities found no visible signs of injuries on the bodies and police have now ruled that out. Not only that, but if there was overcrowding, it would have to be an incredibly small nightclub for 21 people for it to be overcrowded and therefore no survivors. If it wasn't, if it was overcrowding and it wasn't, uh, sorry, if it was overcrowding, then you would, and it wasn't, you know, the size of a telephone booth, then you would expect there to be more than 21 people if it was overcrowded and therefore some survivors with stories to tell. 
The teenagers reportedly celebrate the end of year exams, a local DJ's birthday and the relaxing of some of the last COVID-19 restrictions in South Africa, which was announced earlier in the week. Parents were asked to come to a mortuary to identify their children. Oh, grim. Um, I'm just scrolling down now to see if there's anything else. It's illegal for anyone under 18 to consume or buy alcohol in South Africa or the Eastern Cape Liquor Board said it was revoking the nightclub's liquor licence and will pursue criminal charges against the club's licence holder. The tragedy will put renewed scrutiny on the many bars and nightclubs operating in the back streets of poor neighbourhoods in South Africa, which are often criticised for not abiding liquor laws. So, uh, an interesting one there. That was by um, Gerald Imray, Associated Press, June 27th. So, uh, poor uh, teenagers and their parents. Oh, I've just paused to look at the time and I've overrun by five minutes. Where does the time go when you're having fun? Well, or at least thinking that you are. I enjoy doing Beyond the News, even if I do have to cover grim subjects. I'm going to shut up now, I've already overrun. Thanks for listening.